Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is May 14th, 2021. And here we are at the end of another week. Uh, I thank you for joining me. I hope that wherever you are, things are going okay. But quite frankly, I think Rod Serling is uh, currently writing the script. You know, I've often remarked that if Tom Clancy, the uh, great um, writer, he used to specialize in... uh, political um, novels, espionage novels, that sort of thing, Jack Ryan, The Hunt for Red October, um, a whole bunch of great books that became great movies. But I've frequently said that if the late, great Tom Clancy had, in the 90s, predicted the attacks of 9-11, and then accurately predicted and wrote about what America did and did not do after 9-11, his uh, publisher would have told him to take a walk. His um, publicist would probably have checked him into a mental institution. We've lost our mind. As a nation, we have absolutely lost our minds, and the politicians from both parties are all in on it. Uh, I could never have imagined that with everything that happened on 9-11, the attacks before 9-11, the attacks since 9-11, involving uh, aliens who had no right to be here, aliens who in many different ways gamed the immigration system, entered our country, made false claims to political asylum, um, um, came up with fake identity documents and false names. Uh, It it did all kinds of fraud. You would think that the immigration law enforcement agencies would be focused and they would be dedicated to weeding out bad actors who would want to come to America and kill us, you would think. Kind of like the way the TSA is charged with keeping terrorists and weapons off of airplanes, you would think. But for decades now, two decades, it's hard to imagine, but this September we will observe the 20th anniversary of the terror attacks of 9-11. And I want you to think about the fact that that it happened uh, two decades ago. There is a generation of American voters who were born after the attacks. They have no recollection, no knowledge, no nothing. It's just something people talk about, usually in terms of we need more money for the victims of 9-11. They're sick, they're dying, we need medical help for them, which is true. But ask these kids what really happened, and you're going to probably get a lot of blank stares. I remember talking to a young radio producer who was in his early 20s, and this was a year or two ago, and I said, do you remember when two dead terrorists, including the ringleader, Mohammed Atta, were given permission to go to flight school six months after the attack? They said, I was actually one of the four witnesses called to testify before the House Immigration slash House Judiciary Committee. He said, you know, Mr. Cutler, I have to be honest. I know quite a bit about Pearl Harbor and how the Japanese attacked us, 
But I really don't know much about 9-11 other than airplanes hit buildings. Airplanes hit buildings. I guess we should have published, we should have punished the airplanes. Bad airplanes. Airplanes hit buildings. Uh, it's almost like one of that one of the infamous members of Congress, the squad, said 9-11 was when some people did something. Wow. Some people did something and airplanes hit buildings. I guess they weren't looking where they were going, the airplanes that hit the buildings. Can you make this up? How can we defend ourselves if an entire generation of Americans are pretty much clueless about an existential threat that continues to this day? And I'm listening to statements made by the Attorney General of the United States, Garland, saying that white supremacists pose the greatest threat to America's survival. So let me be clear. Any extremist, And you have to be an extremist if you believe that violence is the solution to anything, okay? Extremists are dangerous. Anybody who for any reason thinks that violence is a solution to any problem is a threat to everybody. That's not the way we do things in a democratic republic. We need to work things out. We need to have honest conversations. We need to devise strategies. And you can't solve a problem until you acknowledge there's a damn problem. And if the Attorney General of the United States puts white supremacists way ahead of the threats posed by international terrorists, we are in deep poop, and it smells. Iran right now, and we've seen the reports as of last week, al-Qaeda operatives are operating in Iran, ISIS operating in Iran. We know that Iran, and I've written about this for Front Page Magazine, I've written about it to the American conservatives. I've been trying to wake everybody up. There have been hearings about how Hezbollah, which is a Lebanese-based terror group listed as a terror organization by our State Department, is controlled and financed by Iran. Iran is racing to get nuclear weapons. Look at the meltdown in the Middle East. Israel and Hamas stand on a precipice of war. It sickens me to see the violence station. And you know Iran is out there stirring the pot, supplying the weapons, doing everything they can to rack up casualty figures and ultimately get rid of Israel and get rid of the United States. And they're working to get nuclear weapons. But the Attorney General of the United States of America believes that the biggest threat to our existence comes from what? Seriously? Pelosi's made similar statements. If you're not willing to recognize the threat, if you're not willing to recognize and accept that there's a problem or a crisis, then we're done. It's over. Take the flag, shut the lights, and prepare to leave. Because if you don't protect yourself against people who want to kill you, they will succeed. I don't know how else to explain it to you. This is an existential threat. How many more times did the Iranians have to say death to America, death to Israel, before we believe that they're serious? I don't understand what it takes to wake up Americans and to get the politicians to live up to their oaths of office. And when I keep hearing this nonsense about what's constitutional and what's not constitutional, let's go to Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution that guarantees every state of the union a Republican form of government and protection against invasion, invasion and domestic violence. I would submit to you 
that millions of aliens charging across our borders, overstaying visas, violating our laws, constitutes an invasion. And I know someone's going to say, oh, my God, Cutler's against immigrants. No, I'm not. But the distinction between lawful immigrants and illegal aliens was taken away beginning with Jimmy Carter, continued with Obama, and certainly continuing now with Mr. Biden. Don't use the word alien. Don't you dare use that word. There's nothing wrong with the word alien. It's a legal definition in Section 101 of the Immigration and Nationality Act has a definition for aliens. Aliens are defined as any person not a citizen or national of the United States. So where's the insult? It doesn't say people who are ugly, smell bad, immoral, stupid, crazy, uh, I don't know, whatever, lazy. No. Any person not a citizen or national of the United States is an alien. That matches international law. If we as Americans go to any other country and must behold dual citizenship, we become an alien by virtue of crossing into that country. We are not a citizen or national of that country, the term alien. Why did they have to get rid of the term alien? They had to get rid of the term alien, not out of political correctness. Let's banish that nonsense forever. This is Orwellian newspeak. Control language, you can control thought because we think with words. When you eliminate words, you eliminate the thoughts the words represent. Right out of Orwell, right out of the Ministry of Truth, eliminate the words. Eliminate the word alien. Everyone's an immigrant. We're a nation of immigrants. If you don't want everyone to come here, even murderers and rapists and travel lessers and drug dealers and gangbangers and terrorists, well, then, by God, you must be anti-immigrant. How shameful. I mean, isn't that what they're doing? The point of the matter is we have limited resources. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt himself, during the Depression, ramped up immigration law enforcement to make certain that American workers would not have to compete with foreign workers. If you're competing with foreign workers, you're going to lose jobs. And if you flood the market, the labor market with, with workers, supply and demand kicks in, you drive down wages, and when the workers who come here from third world countries are willing to accept a fraction of the wage that an American would accept, then you have serious, not just wage suppression, but you actually destroy the wage structure. And now we're told we have to modernize the immigration laws. Well, guess one of the things they want to do to modernize the law, modernize and reform the law, is get rid of the section under Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, that addresses this notion that we must not allow aliens to work in the United States if there are Americans ready, willing, and able to take the jobs in, in the locale where the work needs to be done. In other words, let's put American workers first. And boy, oh boy, the globalists like Alan Greenspan and unfortunately too many Republicans and these days the Democrats, they don't want that. Let's get rid of all the American workers. <clears throat> let's ramp up homelessness because that's what happens. <clears throat> if you suffer wage suppression or you lose your job and the cost of real estate is going through the stratosphere, why? Well, if you keep on bringing in more and more and more and more people, endless numbers of people, they all need a place to stay. Supply and demand. You have too many people chasing too few rooms, and what does that do? It jacks the price through the sky. And if you're a bank and you give out mortgages, that means that people that want to buy property will need ever-increasing mortgages, which means more money for the bankers. It means more money for the real estate people. It also means that the price of real estate will be out of the reach of the average American who's suffering wage suppression, 
<coughs> pardon me, or even uh, unemployment. And, and look at what's going on in California. More and more tent cities are being set up by people who are homeless. And you'll hear some of the politicians say, oh, these are crazy people. Oh, this is a mental illness problem. Oh, these are lazy people. Oh, these are drug addicts. They're drug addicts using the drugs because the American Medical Association uh, doctors prescribed painkillers and, and with, with a great abandon. They got hooked on painkillers, and when they couldn't get the painkillers, they switched to street drugs. And with an open border, we're being flooded with street drugs, not just from the Mexican cartel, but from China because they're giving us fentanyl. I mean, connect the dots, ladies and gentlemen. Connect the dots. We are witnessing the destruction of the United States, and America's enemies are waiting in the wings licking their chops. Russia, Iran, and China, my God, they are in a state of absolute ecstasy. We're fighting each other. This whole notion of white supremacists and white privilege. That's how the Holocaust started. You vilify a group of your citizens so that another group of your citizens will hate and revile them. So who are we hating and reviling? Well, it's people with white privilege, obviously. You know, and look at what's happening in New York and elsewhere. People of the Asian ancestry being attacked, being brutally assaulted, stabbed, kicked, punched. Why? Well, you know, I, I've heard the, the, the pundits say, well, Trump started all this hatred. There was no hatred there. It was about let's enforce the law. He was a lousy messenger. But the real hatred is about race. White people are terrible people because they have white privilege and we have to worry about white supremacists because they want everything to be white. Once you unleash the genie of racism, which is what it is, this is racism, white evil, okay? So it's not that hard for some wackies to look around and say, boy, this virus came from China. I'm going to get even with some Chinese people, whatever. You've opened Pandora's box by telling people that you can hold people accountable to something they have no control over, and it's their race, their, their ethnicity, their DNA. It's un-American. It's immoral. It goes against everything that America was built on. Suddenly separate but equal, that Supreme Court decision about integrating the schools, I guess separate but equal is, is, is a good thing now. Everything that was used to be bad is good. Everything that was bad is good is bad. We've, we've gone upside down out of the Ministry of Truth because we are at war with ourselves. I promise you that the citizens of China are not at war with themselves. They are not. They are laser-focused, and they're focused on world domination. And what are we doing? Undermining our own society, undermining our own safety, our own security. Uh, these idiots are turning American against Americans, which makes no sense. You can't hold people accountable for those things they can't control. Imagine saying you can't hire anybody who has brown eyes or blue eyes or gray eyes. What did they do? They, those are the eyes they were born with. Too bad. Wrong color eyes. You can't get a job anymore. That's what they're doing. And we've got to stand up to the madness. This is toxic. It's corrosive. It's costing people their lives. It will ultimately cost us our country, I fear. And we're flooding America with incredible numbers of aliens, 
people who are neither citizens nor nationals of the United States. That's what we're talking about, folks. Why? I, I want someone to explain this, how this is in the best interest of Americans. I, I just saw an article in Newsweek magazine. I, I feel compelled to do an article about it. And within the next week or so, I expect to either have it published by Front Page Magazine or the American Conservative. But here's Newsweek, which is certainly not a conservative publication, saying that all of these refugees, these asylum applicants, being released by the Border Patrol and, and the uh, border communities are overwhelming the communities. I have a surprise. It's the whole country that's getting overwhelmed. We keep hearing this nonsense about border states. Number one, we're a country of 50 border states. And number two, once aliens get past the border, they're free to travel anywhere in the United States and settle. So do you think it's just the states along the southern border? Think how many illegal aliens live in New York City. How many illegal aliens live in Chicago? How many illegal aliens live in towns and cities across America? We are bringing in so many people that the schools can't cope, the economies can't cope, the environment can't cope, the economy can't cope. So here's my question. Every politician should be asked this question. And I don't care if they're Democrats, Republicans, or they belong to the Hopping Kangaroo Party. Here's the question. How are your proposals good for the average American citizen, period, full stop? The immigrants want a better life. Okay, I can see that. And we're talking now about illegal aliens as well. And we keep hearing, the immigrants want, the immigrants want, the farmers need the workers, the factories need the workers, Silicon Valley needs the best and brightest. Well, Americans are the best and brightest in my world. But when was the last time you heard some supposed reporter stand up and say, gee whiz, no one has been asking the average American if this is something that they're happy about. Where is the good news for Americans when they send their kids to school, the schools are overflowing with people who can't speak English, and money that should have gone for that new science lab, <clears throat> money that should have gone to help American kids with learning disabilities, and they need early intervention and speech therapy and physical therapy. The money's not there. Why? We're spending more and more and more and more and more and still more money on English as a second language. Is this in the best interest of the average American? Crickets. Crickets. And everyone is in for the greed. I, I may have mentioned it before. Um, I was on a radio program, a conservative program, and the guy said to me, this is a capitalist country, Mr. Cutler, and the Democrats want a guarantee of outcome. And in a capitalist system, you have a guarantee of opportunity, but you don't have a guarantee of outcome. <clears throat> Pardon me. I said, you have a guarantee of opportunity in America? Absolutely. I said, where's your guarantee of opportunity when you import more foreign workers and the number of new jobs you're creating? Where's that opportunity? The opportunity to what, be homeless? Be part of the working poor? I mean, Alan Green's plan explains it. Make high-tech American workers, people he called the privileged elite, these are middle-class workers, called them the privileged elite, and they, he said the way to, to, to point America in the direction of wage equality is to make American high-tech workers, highly skilled workers, compete with foreign workers. We could slice off their wage premium, and therefore we would greatly reduce inequality of wages between Americans with skills and those Americans with lesser skills. In other words, kill the middle class, and then America's working poor 
won't have anybody to be envious of. That's the plan. Destroy the middle class. You destroy the middle class. It's not just about importing foreign voters that become Americans. It's about destroying the middle class. And the poorer you get, the more you need government subsidies. And that's exactly what the Democrats want. Because they are the party of the handouts. Aren't they? Look at what they're doing. The party of the handout. If your wages fall, your cost of living goes up, you're going to need government help. And that means you're going to have to go to the party of the handout, and that's the Democrats. The Republicans are too busy being greedy to understand what's happening. Money, money, money. We need more profit. No regulations, no taxes, more profit. More money, more money, more money. Wow. So CEOs of the 50s used to earn about 50, 55 times what their average employee made. They were happy. Their employees were happy. America was booming. Uh, we, had, we saw endless possibilities. The, the sky was clear to the horizon. Today you have CEOs making more than six hundred times what their employees make and they're screaming i'm not making enough bring in foreign workers fire the americans do cost out make products that are crappier and charge more so i can make more money what are they aiming for 700 times a thousand times more than their average employee for what purpose how many houses do you need how many meals can you eat at one time how many suits can you wear how many pairs of shoes do you need how many cars do you need? How many yachts and jet planes do you need? <clears throat> These people are playing Monopoly but with real money, and it's impacting real lives. Whatever happens to live and let live, everyone does well and, and, and everyone's happy. These are miserable bastards who are never going to be happy because they have an insatiable appetite for, for wealth the way that cancer has an insatiable appetite for nutrients. These people are a cancer on society. Cancer secretes hormones, if you know anything about that dreaded disease. Cancer secretes hormones so that the tumor envelops itself with blood vessels and it gorges on the nutrients. The tumor, in a manner of speaking, becomes the most successful organ in its victim's body until it kills the victim, and then the cancer dies with the victim. These bastards have an insatiable appetite for wealth, and what they don't realize is that sooner or later they will kill the host. They will kill America and they will be finished also. I know they think, with all this money, I can bribe other governments just the way I bought the American government. This government of ours has been bought and paid for. Actually, Mr. Biden needs a new position in the cabinet. He needs an official auctioneer. <clears throat> I personally think that the guy that's at the Meekum Auto Auction does a damn good job. They might want to consider bringing him on board. I don't know if he can get past the confirmation process, but they should try because he's pretty good because they certainly need an official auctioneer. What are we bid for the future of our children? What are we bid for the future of our nation? What are we bid for the future of freedom? Wow. Wow. And so Biden obviously understands that the American people want the border secure. They're upset. That's why he didn't want any photo ops. Don't you dare show photos of those kids in those cages. We want people to think Trump did this. It was actually Biden, I'm sorry, Obama who built the cages. This went on with Obama, and then Trump came in, and he was trying to fix a shattered program, and these bums there are now in the Biden administration saying, oh, this is all because of Trump. He dismantled the system. What system? What system? The system to give away the store and make sure that Americans quickly lost all, everything they had? What system? That's why they don't call it a crisis in the Biden administration. They see that mess on the border as a success story. Let America 
destroy the middle class, and off they go. In fact, I wrote a piece of Front Page Magazine a, a while back, and the title was, For the Dems to Succeed, meaning the Democrats, Americans must fail. Now, full disclosure, I'm a registered Democrat. I've always been a labor guy. My dad was a construction worker, a tradesman. I have so much respect for tradesmen. You know, I, I laugh when bankers talk about the products they offer. At our bank, we offer products. Products. Did you know that scams and con artistry were products? That three-card Monty is a product? Folks, a product needs an assembly line. It needs wood and glue and metal and wires and plastic and wheels and gears. It does something. It's a product. Taking your money isn't a product. It's a scam. It's a scam. But hard-working, blue-collar Americans built the country. They are the backbone of America. They built the buildings and paved the roads and built the cars and the airplanes, the medical machinery. They built the hospitals. If it wasn't for construction workers, they'd be practicing medicine under shade trees. Without factories, the doctors would have nothing but their hands to use to do surgery. Maybe what would they do, a sharpened flint rock? Give me a break. Blue-collar America is at the foundation of America. It digs the foundation for the buildings, and it digs the foundation for our country itself. The work Americans won't do. My God, goodness gracious. So it's clear everyone's upset. And then there was a poll that was recently done where everyone's all worked up about what's happening on the border. And, of course, that's the big distraction because... Aliens aren't only coming in across the Mexican border. They're stowing away on ships. They're coming across the Canadian border, and they're certainly landing at international airports and then disappearing. In fact, Biden said that more than half of the people who are undocumented came through the airports. Well, how could you be undocumented if you came through an airport and had to have a passport? Undocumented. You see, that whole word is a lie. It's a scam. It's con artistry. Undocumented. Undocumented means you have no scorecard and you can't tell a good guy from a bad guy without a scorecard, Joe Biden. Undocumented. Wow. So Biden comes along, DHS, Alejandro Mayorkas, and I've written about that guy, comes along and says, we're going to create Operation, um, I'm trying to recall the name of this thing. Um, up, bear with me one moment. I have to look at my own notes. That's pretty bad. Um, Operation Sentinel was the operation. Forgive me. I was so revved up. Operation Sentinel, like the standing watch. Sentinel. Wow. Sounds good. And the name got me to think back to the days of George W. Bush, another president I had very little use for. I was told that when my name came up in the Oval Office, he would scream obscenities. I wish I had a video clip. I'd run it all day just for giggles. I testified at hearings where I criticized his failure to enforce the immigration laws. The fact that he created DHS in a way that violated the Homeland Security Act, which was the enabling legislation to create the Department of Homeland Security. Immigration was never supposed to be split in half, ICE and Customs and Border Protection. It was supposed to be one unified agency. The inspectors, the Border Patrol agents, and the special agents of ICE under one roof working in a seamless manner. He cut it in half and then folded it in immigration with customs and agriculture and TSA and Secret Service and on and why? To make damn sure that we de-emphasize border security and immigration law enforcement even after 
it was easily determined by everybody that 9-11 was only possible because of multiple failures of a broken immigration system. He broke it worse. Thank you, George W. And that's where we are. So back then, every so often, George W. Bush would announce another program. We're going to go after this, and we're going to go after that. And there was a reporter from England that I spoke with fairly frequently. We would go out for coffee when I was down in D.C., and we'd be on the phone all the time. And I said to him, you know, every time Bush gets out there and announces a new program, they should be using the same name for the program. And he said, what name would that be, Mike? I said, call it Operation Backrub. And he laughed his head off. And I said, think about it. If you have a child who has nightmares in the middle of the night, night terrors, and one of my kids, really, would, it would be awful. I, I would freak out. I mean, he'd be howling in the middle of the night, scared to death. And we'd race into the room, and we would try to calm him down. You know, he's, he was like six years old and really worked up. And, and we would serve him a little bit of warm milk, and I'd rub his back, and then a soothing voice convince him that everything was okay. So he could go back to sleep, and I could go back to sleep. Operation back rub. Rub their back, serve them warm milk, and hope they'll go back to sleep. Now, two days later, this reporter calls me up. He said, you almost got me thrown out of the White House today. I said, I didn't call the White House. How could I throw, get you thrown out of the White House? He said, Mike, I was sitting in the press briefing room. George W. Bush was at the podium announcing yet another operation to deal with immigration. And he said, somehow your words popped into my head, and what I heard was Operation Backrub. He said, I had a real struggle choking down a laugh. And he said, everybody in the room turned and stared at me. He said, the president stared at me, and I thought, oh, my God, they're going to eject me. Thank you, Mike Cutler. And I thought that was pretty funny, and so did he. So now, where are we? Operation Sentinel because we're going to go after the human traffickers. And most people have no idea how you go after human traffickers. You know, people say, well, you find them and you arrest them. Okay, and how do you find them? Uh Uh-huh. Well, I made those cases. I was part of the anti-smuggling unit in New York City. In fact, I was part of every squad within the investigations branch in the New York office of the INS. And then I was given an additional assignment where I became the first immigration agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA. Did that for four years. And then I was promoted to senior special agent and assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. So the point is that some immigration agents can spend 20 years on one squad. I had a very diverse background. And I worked smuggling cases. And generally, almost always, an alien smuggling human trafficking investigation begins with the arrest of an illegal alien. And then you talk to the alien and say, listen, I want to work with you, but I need to know how you got here because you're just one illegal alien. I want to get this to stop. And most of the aliens hate the smugglers because they treat them terribly. The women are raped. The men are beaten. In some cases, they're abandoned in the desert and people die. These are some of the most sociopathic dirtbags you're ever going to meet, these human traffickers. Their tactics parallel that of terrorists, which makes sense because Hezbollahs are working with the human traffickers, right? Think about that. So they cooperate. I'll give you the phone number. I'll tell you where the safe house is. I can describe the car he drives. I can tell you what his friend's name is. So you piece together all these different pieces to the puzzle. It's like assembling a photograph out of pixels, you know, little elements. And pretty soon you have enough elements to go to a grand jury and get a warrant 
and arrest the guy or indict the guy. And, and, and that's how you dismantle human trafficking organizations. But under the Biden administration, immigration agents are not allowed to arrest illegal aliens unless they have a warrant for a specific alien. And that alien better have a long rap sheet, and he better have been convicted of many crimes, or she. Because otherwise, you can't make a warrantless arrest if you're an ICE agent without getting authorization in advance, not just from your supervisor, but basically from headquarters. So what does that mean? It's not happening. So if you're an illegal alien, you got nothing to worry about unless you've robbed 15 banks and raped three little girls and chopped off someone's head. Other than that, ignore the immigration laws. They don't have any purpose for you. That's where we are. So ICE agents, and then you answer that sanctuary cities, ICE agents are having a problem locating aliens. They're allowed to arrest the hardcore criminals. We don't want to cooperate with them. We don't want to put them out on the street. One of the things we would do with illegal aliens who cooperated we could give them temporary permission to remain in the United States and even work legally. That's a home run for them. In fact, my friends at the FBI and DEA and ATF and the police department said, wow, you can get permission for these folks to work here? I said, yep. Boy, that is more important than giving them money. I said, that's right. And if they really hit a home run, we can give them an S visa. An S visa is an informant visa. And that enables them to bring in their spouses and their children forever. My gosh, they will do anything for that. Biden comes along and says, no, if they're not criminals, you can't arrest them. And we're giving them employment authorization anyway, and you're not allowed to arrest them. So who cares about immigration anyway? So you run the border, you're home free. The way I explained it when I testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee back in 2013, I was describing the Obama immigration policies. And Biden is basically Obama on steroids. And I said that the policies of of, uh, Barack Obama had, in essence, fired the starter's pistol for aspiring illegal aliens from all over the world. And for these folks, the finish line is the border of the United States. Once you're in the country, you're in. And that's why the emphasis on the border wall, and the wall is very important, by the way, but it's not the be-all and end-all, because aliens who really want to come to America will ultimately succeed. You know, when I do speaking events, I like to ask people, how many times does an illegal alien have to run the border before they get in? And people say to me, you mean there's a specific number? And they're in shock. Is it 10? Is it 12? Is it 17? How do you know what the number is? I said, no, it's not a number. It's a formula. The number of times they need to run the border is one more than the number of times they got caught. If they get caught, and then on the sixth time they don't get caught, they're here. If it's the eighth time or the third time or the twelfth time, as long as it's one more than the number of times they're stopped. So any alien who's really that determined to come here will ultimately succeed. The border wall helps to keep the process orderly and deter people because some people say, I'm not going to do it. That's the point. You know, I've compared the border wall to the velvet rope at the bank that guides customers to the next available teller. I've compared it to the cattle run at the airport that guides passengers to the next available TSA agent. And this past week I was talking to a friend and I I realized there was another analogy that might even be better. Have you ever gone to an amusement park or a baseball game or a football game? Well, the, the field has a huge fence around it, right? Has gates and fencing. Why? 
Are they anti-fans? We don't want the fans to come here. No, of course they want the fans to come. Without the fans, they go broke. They need the fans to attend the games. But they want the fans to go through a gate. So, number one, they go through a metal detector, the way the world is today. And they then get a ticket, but they have to pay for the ticket. So to make sure they pay for the ticket, what do they do? They put up big gates and fences so that the only way into the stadium is through the ticket gate so that they can screen the people coming in and they get money from them. And that's how they maintain what they're doing. Nobody would say that the gates around the baseball park are anti-fans. The wall around the border is not anti-immigrant because all it does, instead of directing people to the gate, it directs people to the port of entry. Same thing. Trump should have made that point, but again, he was a lousy messenger. Didn't know how to message to save himself, literally. Literally. So this is where we are. Biden is saying, we're going to have this operation. Okay. Meanwhile, the agents can't get their hands on the aliens they need, and if the aliens get into the country, they're going to get everything they want anyway, so why would they have to cooperate with law enforcement to take a chance that way? And if you look at the article, I gave some other questions that we should ask about any field operation. Don't tell me you've created a multi-agency um, task force or whatever. How many agents are going to be assigned? Are they full-time or part-time? Do they have prosecutors? What is the funding? How long will it run? Who's doing the oversight? What would constitute success? There's a lot of questions. I don't want to get into all of it now, but please read my article because I lay out how you do human trafficking investigations because most people have no idea how you do that kind of an investigation. And that will give you the ability to understand that what Mr. Biden is doing is just a dog and pony show to calm Americans down who are upset, just like the child who gets up in the middle of the night with a nightmare. We're going to soothe you. We're going to calm you. We're going to tell you what you want to hear, and you can go back to sleep so that we don't have to deal with you. Operation Backrub. I hope it works for you. By the way, I'm supposed to be on Newsmax television this coming Tuesday um, at about 10 o'clock or so East Coast time to talk about my article for Front Page Magazine. Now, I also had an article this past week for the American conservative, Biden's immigration policies prove his jobs program is a con. Now, the point of this, again, Biden wants to flood America with aliens, and many of them are going to work. That means he's importing competition for American workers. So if he creates 5, 5 million jobs, and I doubt it, He's going to be bringing in many more aliens than them because he wants to legalize what he claims are 11 million. Yale says over 22 million. But again, no one's talking about the fact that they could then bring in all of their minor children and their spouses. So if on average each alien has four kids, and if let's say we naturalize or we legalize, my editor did a little numbers crunching on this, uh, let's say we do 20 million uh, aliens. What's four times 20? 80 million. You could have 80 million kids coming to America in a matter of a couple of years. And when folks come to America, they need more than a pillow to sleep on. Everyone who's here needs water and food and electricity. They need heating in the wintertime and air conditioning in the summertime. They need food. They need clothing. They need shelter. They need education. They need health care. They need transportation. 
and other things. What would the impact be with so many mouths to feed in terms of inflation because of food? How many food shortages will we have? Water shortages. There are droughts in parts of the country now. We have problems with not enough electricity. How is this sustainable? How does this help Americans find jobs? Those kids are going to grow up. Some of them might be in their middle teens right now. So within a couple of years, we're going to be pumping millions of more lawful immigrants into the labor pool if Biden gets his way, and they're going to be competing with American and lawful immigrant workers. What happened to Joe Biden's jobs plan now? Lie after lie, scam after scam, this is con artistry. This is like the magician who promises to cut his beautiful assistant in half, and everybody knows the secret. If you cut that young lady in half, you're going to go to jail. No one's ever going to work with you again. And God knows, maybe he was hoping to have dinner with her that night. Okay? So what does he do? The magician creates an elaborate illusion with fancy equipment and blue smoke and mirrors and lighting and hand movements. Has everybody conned? He cut her in half. Oh, my God. And then she jumps up on stage and nothing happened to her. She's fine. The American people want a secure border. They want the immigration laws enforced fairly but effectively. The lobbyists who bribe the politicians do not want that at all because to them, as I've pointed out in the past, immigration is no longer a law enforcement system but a delivery system that imports an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor. I promise you exploitation is not how you demonstrate compassion. An unlimited supply of foreign tourists. That's why we have an ever-expanding visa waiver program started by Ronald Reagan, by the way. Again, not left or right. It's left and right that have been hammering us into the ground. They also want an unlimited supply of foreign students. Over 8,000 schools are authorized to file for foreign students. We don't even know if the schools exist if you have almost no ICE agents to physically check out these facilities. And finally, and this is the kicker, boys and girls, an unlimited supply of clients for immigration law firms, and you have lawyers on both sides of the aisle. Comprehensive reform was never designed to get the aliens out of the shadows. You hire agents to do that. Comprehensive immigration reform was designed to drive the aliens to the waiting rooms of law firms, give them an incentive to go to the lawyer. And in fact, just two days ago, there's a law firm in New York and I'm familiar with it because they've been around forever. When I was an adjudications officer in the mid-'70s, they were in practice then, and they were there before that. But the commercial was, President Biden wants to legalize all the millions of illegals in the country. All the millions of undocumented, God forbid, say illegal. Come to our law firm, and we can help you get it done quickly and properly, save you money and save you aggravation when the big amnesty is coming. If they heard that broadcast in the rest of the world, guess where the people are headed for here? You think they heard it? Of course they did. Their friends, their neighbors, their relatives are calling them up. Yes, that's right. I heard this law firm on the radio, and they said that Biden's going to do it. Head for America. Quick, before they, you know. And that's why you're seeing what you're seeing. Now, not all illegal aliens are bad guys. Many of them are just desperate people, and it's wrong to think of them as the enemy. The enemy are the politicians that keep dangling carrots so that these people will, will take incredible risks and some will lose their lives. Their children will lose their lives. It's outrageous. 
It's outrageous. You can call it entrapment if you like. Convincing people, come to America by hook or by crook. It doesn't matter because the crooks will give you lawful status. And I say the crooks to politicians. I'm so, I get so confused. Language becomes, I don't know. I, I have an issue sometimes. Yes, the politicians are looking to give you lawful status. And they are. The Republicans aren't saying we're not going to give you lawful status. No, 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 no. We're not going to give you a path to citizenship. We'll just get, let you stay here and work. Of course, they don't want them to vote. And the Democrats say, no, 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 we need a path to citizenship. It's only fair. No, they want them to vote because they figure they're going to vote for the Democrats. It's all about politics, nothing about Americans, nothing about national security, nothing about the 9-11 Commission that won, that border security was national security, that the aliens committed immigration fraud in order to enter the country and then embed themselves, hide in plain sight as they went about their deadly preparations. No, 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 no. They don't want to talk about that. And some of the folks on our side make a mistake because they, I know it's immigration, but they alienate the people who support we need. Every American should be on the same page. We should not be bringing in an army of foreign workers when Americans can't get work. We shouldn't be bringing in people if we can't determine with certainty whether or not they are criminals or terrorists. You would think it's common sense, folks. You would think. But who's thinking these days? We don't have time to think. Think? Are you kidding me? No, we're too busy playing Twitter. So it, it's pretty obvious. If Joe Biden is running around and saying, we're going to get you high-paying jobs, how? They shut down the pipeline, and, and look at where that happens now. No redundancy. The next one will be EMP, electromagnetic pulse. Um, there's just a program on about that also. If you detonate a nuclear device high in the atmosphere, the, um, electro, the electric pulse from the bomb would fry the power grid. But you don't even need a weapon from one of our adversaries. About 150 years ago, I believe it was, there's something known as the Carrington event. You might want to look it up. It's kind of interesting. I'm a science geek. I was going to be an astronomer when I was a kid. And my original dream was to be an engineer. The Carrington event happened when the sun had a massive, what they call CME, coronal mass ejection. I'm sure you've seen solar flares, and um, they're interesting, and sunspots, and the sun you know, puts out a solar wind, and every once in a while we have the aurora borealis. But the coronal mass ejection, it's like comparing a firecracker with an atom bomb. A coronal mass ejection is hugely uh, greater, or, or not a word, hugely, incredibly greater than a solar flare. And when it hits the atmosphere, it disrupts the magnetic field. At the Carrington event, the, the, the coronal mass ejection, the CME, somehow hit the Earth squarely. And it was huge. And telegraph keys caught fire. Telegraph wires caught fire because it induced a, a huge electric current in the wiring, and the telegraph system went down. But they weren't really using electricity 150 years ago. Could you imagine today no electricity? Imagine if all the transformer stations were fried. You could put cages around it, something they call a Faraday, a Faraday cage, to shield the, um, the components of the power grid. But they haven't done it. You would think that they would be stockpiling transformers, so if anything happens, it's kind of like plug and play. Technicians come in and they yank out the old transformer, put in the new one. We don't have that. 
So if tomorrow the sun threw a temper tantrum and hit the earth with a coronal mass ejection, and one just grazed us a couple days ago, by the way, <clears throat> it could take months or longer to get electricity back up. Stop and think about everything you rely on that requires electricity. And it's not just lighting. It's not just your computer. It's not just um, the elevators. It's everything. It's everything. The water pumping stations, the sewerage pumping stations, the way that trucks are, are, are able to move, the way that everything is done, the rail lines. This could absolutely bring everything to a screeching halt. Imagine the casualty count if suddenly people in cities were unable to get water, sewerage, or food. How long before panic sets in? How long before people die of starvation or die because they can't get water? Our government is supposed to be looking forward and saying, you know, this is a threat. We need to address it. But they're more concerned with playing games, with maintaining power. These are spoiled children who don't know what leadership really means. And we've entrusted them with our country's future and, by extension, the future of our children and our grandchildren. I have never seen a more inept bunch of characters what in the world are we doing? What are we doing? And everyone wants to play politics. Yeah, the problem is damn Democrat. Yeah, the problem is damn Republican. No, the problem is the Republicrats because they're on the same page on many of these issues. They've taken bribes, campaign contributions of bribes. And now they have to deliver. And if you hate lobbyists, realize that politicians are the lobbyists' employees. They are. I want you to consider the employer-employee relationship. The employer writes the check. The employee deposits the check. Who's writing the check? The lobbyists. And who are they sending them to? The political parties. And then what do they do? They distribute the money to the party faithful, those members of either party who tow the company line. You don't tow the line? They don't give you a campaign contribution, and you can't run a campaign, and you're done. And you're done. Lunacy. And where are the journalists? I don't know. I really don't know. I, I don't know how to account for what we are witnessing. It is so off the charts. It is so irrational. It is so dangerous. But no one's thinking clearly. No one's thinking clearly. So between this notion of Operation Sentinel, which is designed to fail, and I've explained it, and when you read my article, you'll see lots more there. I can't give you everything. I want you to read the article. Which brings me to another point. I have a favor to ask everybody. Seriously, listen carefully. If you like my program, when you go to Michael Cut the Michael Cutler Hour, you can find the podcast or you can find the link to the Michael Cutler Hour that has all the podcasts. Please post the link in social media or forward it to everybody you know and say, look, you might disagree with Mike Cutler, but you ought to listen to him. Maybe there's some things you don't realize this could help you. I mean, look how high the stakes are. The future of our country, the future of our children, the future of our grandchildren, the stakes couldn't be higher. So challenge them. 
read the articles, listen to the podcasts. Go to frontpagemag.com. Go to the American uh, Conservative. Pull up the links to the articles and post them and forward them and say to the people, listen, you may not agree with him, but at least you should listen to what he has to say. Read what he wrote. I try to make it interesting. I try to make this program interesting. I don't know if I'm succeeding. There's some trapped inside my head. I don't even know what it sounds like to you folks out there. It's always very different from inside versus outside. You understand. But I'm trying to make this interesting. I'm trying to make it informative. And I'm certainly trying to provide you with the information that you're not getting from the mainstream media because most of them are full of crap, to put it bluntly. What we are doing now violates the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. The commission that was convened to make certain, certain we didn't get attacked again. So what's the priority? What's the end game? What is it these idiots are trying to do? Get us attacked? Get us killed? I don't know. Someone needs to ask the question. I come back to Trump again. Why in the world didn't he ask Biden, have you read the 9-11 commission report? Instead of that idiotic question, Joe, can you say law enforcement? What was it, speech class? Joe, have you read the 9-11 Commission report? Do you really think it makes sense to give people who snuck into the country lawful status without the ability to interview them, let alone do a field investigation? Because we're talking about millions of people. Why would you do this to us, Joe? That was the question I asked Jim Sensenbrenner, basically, when he was chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. I was in Washington. This was about two or three years after 9-11. 9-11 was big on everyone's mind. Bin Laden was a man on the run, and we were hunting for him. And I was called to Washington to participate in a panel discussion on terrorism, using my expertise on immigration. And they held the panel discussion in a hearing room at the Rayburn House office building. Pardon me, it was the same kind of a venue where I might have testified at a hearing. And I was surprised, because in walked Jim Sensenbrenner. He was chairman of the House Judiciary Committee back then. He just retired from Congress. I hope he's okay, but he's getting on in years. Big physical guy, you know, six foot four, big shoulders, and he came up and shook my hand. And I, and he, this is the week after he supported George W. Bush's guest worker program, and I attacked on one word. I was a regular with Lou Dobbs. I was writing commentaries, and Lou was using my commentaries on his program. Instead of calling it the guest worker program, I called it the guest worker amnesty program, and I knew I was getting somewhere. Because the, I wrote it in the morning, and that afternoon I was taking my kids to the dentist. My van has a, had a satellite radio, so I was listening to CNN because Lou Dobbs in those days was at CNN. And if you remember, his announcer came on and said, Mr. Independence, Lou Dobbs, and, and Lou came on. And I was amazed because he said words to the effect, and this was lifted directly out of my commentary, in Washington today, President George W. Bush continues to push his guest worker amnesty program. And from that day on, everyone called it the guest worker amnesty program. One word can make a huge difference. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. And so I said to Sensenbrenner, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, I said, Mr. Sensenbrenner, I'd love to have a 30-minute meeting with you, but will you give me 30 seconds right now? He said, I'll give you a minute. What's wrong? I said, well, you gave a speech, and I haven't had a good night's sleep since. And he said, are we talking about national security? I said, well, I'm sure as hell not going to discuss my sex life with you. And he laughed, and everybody in the room laughed, but I did that purposely because I wanted to get his attention. And the way to get someone's attention is humor. I wish Donald Trump understood that. My friends say that what I do is kind of like infotainment. 
information, but I make it palatable with a little humor, a little anecdote. And I explained how this program would enable aliens whose identities were unknown and unknowable to get official identity documents and fake names. They said, what's to prevent bin Laden from walking into an immigration office if his fingerprints aren't on file, and I don't know if they are, and claiming to be Donald Duck, and all he has to do is get rid of his Freddie Flintstone desert getup and put on either an Armani suit or sweats and jeans. Either way, he doesn't look like himself, and he gets a haircut, and he gets rid of the beard, and he puts lifts in his shoes. He's now two inches taller, and he puts in um, contact lenses that make his eyes appear to be a different color. And if we don't have his fingerprints, and he says his name is Donald Duck, within 48 hours, we're going to give him a document that says he's Donald Duck. And he'd be immediately able to get a job in areas that if they didn't involve national security might involve critical infrastructure. I'm scared to death over who handles our food. He would have access to corporate and government office buildings. I said he can walk into your damn office claiming to be Donald Duck. And all I want to know is one simple question, Mr. Chairman. Why the hell would you do this to us? It really rattled sense in Brenner's cage. And a week later, I was shocked. But he withdrew his support for the program and actually went public and said this is a dangerous program that must not pass. And he was able to block it as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Because I asked them that critical question. Why would you do this to us? That's the question for every politician. And again, I don't care if they're from the left or the right or they're with the Hopping Kangaroo Party. Americans should be the primary responsibility of the American government. We care for our children before we help anybody else. Our government should be focused on what is in the best interest of Americans before they tell us what's in the best interest of people who want to come to America. Loyalty needs to be a two-way street, folks. And only we, the people, can hold them accountable. I think this is a very important issue. And I think the role that we have to play in this issue is extremely important. Uh, you know, this is the work Americans must do, holding politicians accountable. Please check out my articles at Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. Please go to the American Conservative. Check out Newsmax. I expect to be on Tuesday this week, 10 o'clock in the morning, East Coast time. But stay involved. Engage in discussions with your neighbors. Don't attack them. Don't scream at them. You might be frustrated, but they've been misled. They are the victims of a con job. Be gentle with them. Guide them gently. Let them read my articles. Let them listen to the podcast. It's not that difficult. That's the reason the Founding Fathers made the First Amendment the First Amendment. Let's have those conversations. Perhaps this year for Memorial Day and for the Fourth of July, we could celebrate America by declaring it a day of free speech and debate. Wouldn't that be a novelty? Please get involved, folks. I always like to make the point, democracy is not a spectator sport. Stay well, stay safe, have a great weekend, and we'll see you right here next week on the Michael Cutler Hour. Good night.